you guys know what that's the sound of? Nope. Nope. And if we did, we wouldn't say it. <laughs> oh, that's Mark on a Monday morning. That's a badger. <laughs> that's a badger making grunting noises. Why is the why is the badger making a grunting noise? Well, the badger's ma- <laughs> he can't even shut that badger up. <laughs> well, <laughs> oh man, I can oh, see where this episode's going. Hey, welcome <laughs> to the Reason Glamour Podcast. On this episode, we'll be talking a little bit about my um, endeavors into having a badger or some sort of creature living inside of a. Mercedes that I was driving around <laughs> Germany. Oh, yeah. Hold on for that, because that's a great story, by the way. <laughs> so, uh, anyway, welcome to the Grease and Glamour podcast. I am Mark Fierbacher with Aaron Kane, Jamie, and... And Hunter. Hunter's <laughs> joining us today. Hunter's joining us because Hunter and I are still a bit jet-lagged. We got back last night at around midnight to a snow-covered Rochester, which mm. was... Hurt, hurtful. Yeah. No, it's just, it makes me angry. Yeah. I'm just mad. I was mad all day. <laughs> Pissed off, just ready to uh, roll. Because I like, was like, uh, <laughs> really? Like that? <laughs> yeah, before my cup of coffee. Ain't that right, honey? That's how I felt. That is Jamie before his <laughs> cup of coffee right there. Um, we were in beautiful Las Vegas, Nevada. Lost wages. Is it Nevada or Nevada? Nevada. 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 Uh, anyway. If you're really, really deep in Rochester's Nevada. 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 Yeah, we, we were we were at the SEMA show, which is the the biggest automotive aftermarket show that comes to... It's actually the biggest convention that Las Vegas sees every year. So there's like 200,000 people that just go for the SEMA show. Now, if you can imagine 200,000 people all getting up in the morning and at 9 o'clock going to the same exact place. How was that? And 200,000 people at the end of the day all going back... That's how it was getting onto that monorail. I would have snuck off and went to a burlesque show. (laughs) Hunter, did he take you to any of those? Oh, no. I'm a good guy. No. No, 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 no. Let me tell you something. We lived lived the lame life in Las Vegas. We we didn't gamble. Nope. Um, Not even even a buck. No. Hunter, why don't you tell them kind of what, what, what was our day? Aside from the SEMA show, we'll get to that. But what was our days like when we weren't at the show? Honestly, just eating. That's yeah. We just ate. I mean, we ate a lot of food. Buffet after buffet. But no, so but no. it was justified because we walked. I don't know. I don't know, Mark. Probably I, like I forty thought when miles. When you came back, I looked time, at you so. and I thought you might have gained one or two pounds. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you might have been on a cruise ship. I wasn't well, sure. We went to Wahlburgers, which Mark, was great. Which Mark Wahlburgers place or the Wahlberg right? family? Yeah. That nice. was good. That was really good. We first got there and we had hotel reservations at one hotel, which I won't mention the name. And we get to the room, and it looked nothing like the pictures. Uh-oh. Oh, yeah. welcome to the Poconos. Oh, it was bad, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, I had that happen. Oh, here's, sir, this is the Nestle Woods. Um, I don't see a Nestle Woods in this brochure. Okay? What is that? That is where, yeah, shag carpeting on the on the walls. No? Yeah. yeah. No, it, it was, Vegas uh, it was a little bit... Um, Shady? You know, a little scary. A little bit. Were you afraid to lay down in the bed? Without putting a like plastic sheet over it, um, like Italian furniture in the seventies. It was uh, we were in the room, looked at it, and then we left. 
Yeah, it was pretty quick. Uh, <laughs> it was pretty quick. <laughs> I, I, I t- as soon as we got off of the elevator, I immediately Sorry. my thoughts were like, "All right, we're this, this is good. this is not good." Well, because in Nevada, marijuana is legal, so the very very first thing I smelled as soon as we got off the elevator was the hooch was pot. You and smelled so, hooch. Hey, it, welcome to Amsterdam. By the yeah. way, you smell it. Everywhere. It's everywhere. I mean, it's, it's everywhere. A, it, yeah, it's, it's everywhere. Insane. Amsterdam, same thing. Ugh. Oh, it was horrible. It, it just all you do is walking behind people, like, oh, it's just it's skunky weed smell. Yeah, it's horrible. So when are they gonna make weed like uh, the vape stuff? You know, it'll be like cotton candy or something. You know? <laughs> I think they did in Vegas. It sounds like. Oof, it's, or it was, was it just in your room? So, so we got out of there. I went down to the desk. I'm like, yeah, we're not staying here. So, um, and, what, and what time was that? That was at. Well, that was about. I mean, it was pretty 10, late. 10, 30, 11 o'clock. Oh, at night. Yeah. But so there was a moment where we were on the Las Vegas Strip homeless. Well, you also have to <laughs> think about it, too. That was 11 o'clock their time, yeah, so, which is so two, three hours two, before yeah, Two us. hours, yours. So we're we're pretty much feeling like it's 2 in the morning. Yeah, like so, somebody just hit you. Yeah, right. you know, we, we didn't really want to deal with that. <laughs> right. But if the choice is, you know, yeah. uh, sleeping in the shack there or... No, yeah, okay, so, so here's what happens. So we go, we go to... Um, I go on my phone and I have an app called Hotels Tonight. And that's a highly recommended app for anybody who wants to know because what that app does is it takes all the rooms wherever you are, it doesn't have to be Las Vegas, it could be anywhere, it could be in New York City, it could be in Rochester, Niagara Falls, wherever, anywhere. And any rooms that are vacant in any hotel, the hotels start slashing the prices because, you know, if that hotel stays empty for the night, they don't get that that inventory's gone. Sure. So they'll they'll give it they'll keep discounting it. So the later you wait, the more discounted it gets. So we wound up with um a room at Bailey's for a hundred bucks a night. And it wasn't just a room, it was a suite. Oh. So we were in a suite nice for a hundred bucks a night. Right on. And you still didn't gamble. And we did not gamble. Nope. We went uh, to the Hofbrau house. They have an original German Hofbrau house there. Had a big schnitzel dinner and a big glass of beer. Yep. Did you enjoy that, Hunter, or would you rather have went to one of the burlesque shows? <laughs> <laughs> hey, Hunter, okay, a, I just got a, your answer by uh, you not answering. Thank this you. This is a PG uh, it is. show. I, listen, uh, listen, those shows are pretty spectacular. The music. <laughs> the lack of costumes. At, well, I guess. I mean. at, at the Hoofbrow House, there was if you bought a thing, a whole round of shots, there was the paddle. You got the paddle, and it wasn't just a yeah. like a like there. There has to be some like liability in there because, I mean, mm. she went all out she on these guys, went full force, like full force. This guy. Boom! Like the paddle, pretty much should have snapped. Yeah, that's how. Wow. It was. We were all like shocked. We're like, whoa. <laughs> yeah, the first time I thought. I know they have those places in Vegas. I didn't know it was at the German Opera House. <laughs> like, like, now I do. Now I know. Hey, so I want to go. I want somebody to really beat up me. Yeah. Oh, let me tell you the hot spot. The hot spot house, man. The Germans know how to do it right over there. <laughs> like, Ugh. what is that? Like, why do you? So you yeah. go to Vegas. The S&M doesn't stand for sandwich and mashed potatoes. No. no. <laughs> Listen, you go to Vegas, you don't gamble, and you go to a place to eat, and they kick your can with some board. Well, like, no. hey, but Dad, thanks no. for bringing me here. Oh, no, here's the best part. You pay for it. 
You pay for it. And then yep. you pay for it. You, you yep. pay You pay to get a shot of Jägermeister, and they give you the Jägermeister, and then the... I'm starting to feel bad for you, Hunter. This, um, <laughs> dominatrix woman, like, smacks you on the back with this wooden... Did you at least take him to the Hoover Dam? No, he didn't. Wow. Okay, Hunter. Listen, we were, you we missed, were, we were you missed all a there lot. for work. Okay. So let's, let, me, let me tell you what we did do, though, uh, for work, is we went to the SEMA show, which is a, an amazing show. We met a lot of cool people. We got to meet uh, Ken Block from Hoonigan yep. Racing. So for anybody awesome. who doesn't know, you should go. You should go on YouTube. You should look at the the Hoonigan Racing stuff yep. for Ken Block. Then Watch. when you, yeah, then when you get inspired in, in drifting, then you can come to us and we'll, we'll replace your tires, we'll replace your tires. <laughs> right away. It'll be one drive. We watched Ken Block do some drifting. It was amazing. We got to meet him. Get get uh you know get a poster signed by him. Um, I was able to actually have a discussion with one of the co-founders of Hoonigan, uh, Brian Scotto, who is in the Emmy-nominated um, show, the Gymkhana Files, which is them doing all the behind-the-scenes of the Hoonigan uh, YouTube videos. It, it's really a thing. It's a huge thing. It's awesome to watch how he drifts in these really tight spots and then how they video shoot this stuff. Hmm. And, like, you don't have a lot of opportunities to mess up. I mean, because he'll take the wheels right to the edge of a of a cliff. Uh, uh, oh, yeah. if, if he messes up by it's... one inch, he's in the water, he's down a cliff, he's uh, wherever. So he drifts through parking garages and stuff like that. So we watched him drift and come within, you know, inches of concrete walls and stuff like that. Really cool. In fact, one point he had one of his crew stand in the middle of the this parking lot with a camera and he drifted around him. Oh, it's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for not asking me to do that during the week, Mark. I'm pretty so, sure I'm so saying anyway, no. we got to, we got to uh, meet Ken Block. We uh, got to talk to uh, Brian. <clears throat> Brian actually even uh, was kind enough to say that he would come on to the podcast. So I'm hoping that I will secure that spot here soon. We uh, met Jesse James from West Coast Choppers, and uh, that was cool. Um, he also said that he's interested in coming on the podcast, so we're trying to line That'd those things up. Um, we um, looked at a whole bunch of different products to bring back to buy Universal anything? Imports. We bought a lift for the shop. I was going to ask you. I know you went out there to yep. buy a lift, and you we were able to bought a lift. We found procure. a couple... We found a couple cool accessories and things that we're working, looking into right now and working on. Did you buy Aaron and I anything? Um, okay. Well, no. I have, well, wait a minute. I know. Christmas is coming, some, isn't it? I gave you some goldfish before, and yeah. I bought those in the uh, Las Vegas airport. I didn't get any goldfish. Well, you can... There's a bag right in there. <laughs> there's a few left. <laughs> there's a, there's a I, I had one little hand left. <laughs> he took the rest. We were waiting for you. Um... Yeah, what else, Hunter? We, you know, what are some of what are some of your highlights? Highlights from the from the SEMA show. Yeah, or, or I mean, really. So there's a ton of tools, parts. I mean, everything. But just to see. Hey, that's not uh, a, that's not a nice way to talk about the some of the people there. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> there were a couple tools, but there were also cart. Uh, I don't know. Did you see the water show at the Bellagio? We did see it. Okay. We saw it from afar. Oh, I wanted we, to take him to it. He didn't care. He's like, oh, yeah. Well, sucks. why? Because he thought you were going to take him to another place Listen. where they beat your can with a wooden board. And he's <laughs> like, no, Dad, that. I think I'm good, thanks. Listen, <laughs> I don't trust you, right? <laughs> I don't trust My it. son is a wonderful, wonderful guy. But he's not as uh, 
into nature and stuff as I am. I'm like, look at Hunter, look at all the mountains around. He's like, uh-huh. no, he yeah, wanted so to go gambling. He wanted well, to go down. Did it, you go down to Old Vegas? The strip? No, we didn't. didn't there they got like zip lines. They got all kinds of. Yeah, I know. Um, no, we didn't do well, that. So what I was going to say about the SEMA show is that not a single car there, even though there's, I mean, probably thousands of cars there, nothing is stock. So, I mean, everything is modified in some way, right. whether it be the paint job, everything is different than how they come. Right. Which was really cool. That's I mean, cool. it's all personalized, you know, even if it's not a huge name person who did the paint job or wrapped it, it's still, you get to see all these personal touches to these cars that, you know, well, there's even one guy who, uh, and you guys can't see this who are listening, but, uh, in the studio. So one of the, one of the most famous painters, Von Hot Rod is his name. Actually, he's a, he's a hot rod painter. He uh, drew that design on my, on the back of my oh. uh, iPhone cover. Um, that's pretty cool. He did it yeah, in like, cool. you know, like he did it with a, this long paintbrush and he did it in like, you know, one second, it was like, a minute or two. It was like a minute. Yeah. And, uh, he's just standing there doing that for people. That's cool. Um, we, you know, we walk, we walk in the first day and Jay Leno is right there. Right there. Like I'm, yeah. I'm sitting, I'm standing as close to Jay Leno as you and I are uh, sitting from each other, Aaron. Wow. And he was doing an interview cause Jay Leno has his own car care, uh, products. He also has, uh, Jay uh, Leno's Garage, mm-hmm. which is, you know, all his right. stuff. Um, so, you know, and lots of racers. Richard Petty, Mario Andretti, uh, Chip Foose, who's mm-hmm. one of the you know biggest car painters in the world. He started out, actually, with Jesse James. Those two guys were together for a long time. Um, so it's just really cool. And, and there's just so much to see. And we probably walked a collective 35 miles, I think, in, in three days. Yeah, it was, I mean... I- Everything Easy. was walking. And it was funny, too, because <laughs> when we got off the airplane in Rochester, we were like, all right, finally, like, the walking's done. We were the furthest terminal from the gate. I mean, we were, it was just Every like, time. you know. Everything we <laughs> went to do was we were at the furthest It's the furthest thing, of- at, right. <laughs> well, you know, that's a common thing that people do in Vegas. They'll get out of their hotel and they go, oh, look at all that traffic. I'm going to walk down. Mm-hmm. Because they think they can walk. Like you know, from one hotel to the other. Yeah, good luck. Yeah, that's why I know they call it the Mirage because yeah, when I'm it's like seven and a half Bailey's, miles. Like, oh, it's right there. Yeah, let's walk. Uh, two miles later, yeah. Geez. You're like we're still not even close. <laughs> almost, we're almost. There. <laughs> it's the Himalaya it, Mountains. It, it really, it really is no, like that. And, it's crazy. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And you know, like yesterday, we're getting out of the one plane, and as Hunter said, everything was so far away. You know, I think he said to me, he's like, oh, this is great. We're only um, we're only like four gates away from our next plane. And then he looks at the screen. He goes, oh, wait a minute. They switched it. We're now at gate 725. You know? Yeah, I'm always in gate Z. <laughs> <laughs> always. Oh, and you got four minutes. <sighs> yep. Man, so. Yeah, let that plane go. <laughs> a lot of, yeah, I'll be catching the next you one. You have four minutes until yeah, the door I got closes. the next ones. I'll take the next one. <laughs> and then one. we get to our gate. And I'm like, hey, Hunter, be a champ and go get your dad some chicken McNuggets at McDonald's. It's only two miles back. The other <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, your great trip just continues, Hunter. <laughs> Making you do all that, not taking you to the Hoover Dam. Yeah. Didn't even get to put a dollar in a slot machine. No, so you did. couldn't have collected. No, but we did no, do. It, um, right. We did go to the Beatles Cirque du Soleil, and that was pretty awesome. Um, that was probably, and I've been to a lot of concerts. I've been to a lot of shows that probably was one of the best, uh, one of the best things I've yeah. ever seen. Last time I was there with uh, my son, we went and saw the Chris Angel show with, um, Chris Angel. Yep. Chris Angel and, uh, Cirque du Soleil did a show together. Oh, let me tell you what that's like. All right. You, 
you feel like you're completely drunk or something because it's the most amazing weird stuff going on like people flying around people disappearing and stuff and i was like what am i watching here <laughs> like i'm used to like a, the cirque du soleil circus where they're all you know the jumping in the water to like oh yeah. and stuff here it's like you know then he comes out and next time he's behind i don't know so i i hear that that was a good show though so you like that beatles that was amazing i mean i heard was, the music the way they do it's just just it was just, just awesome I mean, everything just flowed into. It was just so good. Well, one of the one of the first things we were doing, one of the one of the reasons we were going out to SEMA is we were going to meet with the marketing people at Motul Motor Oils, which is now the official sponsor of the Grease and Glamour podcast. Um, this is a little sound bite from when we were at the booth with them. Hey, this is Mark from Grease and Glamour podcast and Universal Imports. I'm here with my friend from Motul, the official sponsor of the Grease and Glamour podcast, and. So that's a soundbite, yeah. but it sounds like a soundbite of Mark. It was a soundbite. I was waiting for Nolan or Natalia to jump on in. Well, my wife said, "Oh, Natalia, that's a that's a very pretty name. Did she have a like an ex, uh, exotic uh, accent or something?" I'm like, "I think she's from like Maryland or something. <laughs> she's from the Bronx." <laughs> no, but they were no, Nolan and Natalia. They were really nice. They took us through the booth, and we talked a lot about oil, and we talked about our new partnership with them. Um, super excited for that. So I guess I, I'm going to just segue into doing a couple of our ads, and we'll be right back. Moltool is the official sponsor of the Grease and Glamour podcast. Established in 1853, Moltool has grown to become a recognized leader in lubricant technology. Racing teams around the world have trusted Moltool to deliver the endurance and performance needed to compete at the highest level. Even if you're not racing on the track, Moltool's full range of synthetic lubricants will protect your engine against wear and tear of your daily commute. Stop by Universal Imports to purchase Moltool's line of products today. Car repairs can get expensive. That's why Universal Imports has got you covered with their exclusive Car Care Club. For an annual investment of just $49, you can save hundreds with a free New York State inspection, $10 off oil changes, 10% off labor, $50 off alignments, and so much more. Visit UniversalImports.com or visit 834 Linden Avenue, right off 441. Let my family take care of your family's automobiles. Visit UniversalImports.com to join our Car Care Club today. So now we went from 75 degrees and sunny, beautiful desert weather to <laughs> back to the snow. Oh. But we did bring back some promises for some really good podcasts coming up. <clears throat> we also went to a class with um, a, a guy. His name also is Brian. He um, founded the Truck Show podcast, which is um, – from the company Motor Trend. So he was a he's an actual writer for Motor Trend. Then he started a podcast. They have a very successful podcast, The Truck Show. Um, he did a whole class on do's and don'ts of podcasting. And I'm happy to report that we do a lot more of the do's than the don'ts. That's good. <laughs> well, that's good uh, for us. But <laughs> we do need we do need all of you out there. Well, I mean, you know, you're if you're listening, you're already doing your part. You're listening. But keep listening because uh, we want to make sure we, we get, get you engaged, get downloads, get shares, like us on Facebook, tell friends about us, because we really want to grow this thing. Um, we are now in, we have started our second year of this podcast, and I'm really hoping that we, 
double or triple triple the listenership. Great. Um, so uh, anyway, when we were there, we did stop by the Interstate Battery booth and started talking to some of the professionals at Interstate. Had a lot of great conversations about batteries, if you can imagine. You actually can have a nice conversation <laughs> about batteries. Well, you are there at the car show, so. Yep. yep. <laughs> and, uh, and we wound up with some new uh, equipment that they are providing to us, which are these really wonderful um, digital handheld battery testers so we can test customers' batteries much quicker. Um, and we started on a dialogue of how people um, – you know, don't replace their batteries as a preventative maintenance. They replace it as a reactive course when their car doesn't start and how the industry is trying to turn that around to get people to replace their batteries on a sort of regular basis. Because uh, I guess as, as the gentleman at Interstate pointed out, about three years is the safe lifespan of a battery. You might be able to push it to four, but with these new testers, we'll be able to continually test the health of a person's battery in their car and, and go from there. It brought up a whole bunch of other questions in my mind. So they put me in touch with uh, the one of the head engineers at Interstate Battery in Texas, and we were able to talk to Jeff Barron. And uh, this is a little bit from that interview. Okay, so after all this time at the SEMA show, Hunter and I walked about 35 miles, it felt like. It's <laughs> an understatement. <laughs> um, we did wind up at one of my favorite booths, the Interstate Battery booth, because we do sell Interstate Batteries here at Universal Imports. And um, I was lucky enough to procure an interview with Jeff Barron, Lab Manager of Engineering and Technical Services at Interstate Battery. And we have Jeff with us on the phone right now. Everybody say hi to Jeff. Hey, Jeff. Hey there. Hey, Jeff. Hello, everyone. All right. That's the applause because uh, we were able to successfully get someone on the phone. <laughs> <laughs> and the technology worked. You did very good. Yeah. Well, you know, um, so one of the things that we, well, I think many people, customers as well as shops, take for granted is your car's charging system and batteries. And almost anybody uh, will wait till their car is dead before they call and say, hey, I need my car towed. And, uh, uh, you know, it oftentimes is a battery. In fact, I, I, I looked up a couple statistics and it's I, I read an article where it said 24% of all cars need their battery replaced. 73% of customers will buy a battery if a test reveals that it fails. 80% of mechanics own a battery tester, but only 30% of those testers work. <laughs> <laughs> the batteries were that. <laughs> right. <laughs> so one of the one of the cool new things that Interstate has going for them and now we are uh, the proud um, owners of, of these uh, of this product also is called the IB Pulse. And what that is is a handheld battery tester that we can take right out to the vehicle. And it not only tests the battery, but it also, I believe, tests your charging system. And then you can even email to a customer the the uh, the inspection um, criteria from their car, from their battery. Oh, that's cool. We really want to get into a point where we are looking at customers' battery health so that we can recommend a battery before it's dead in the road. Um, Jeff, maybe you can tell us a little bit about 
uh, the batteries today versus the batteries of old, why people might want to seriously consider getting a battery test and replacing it before they're calling AAA. Uh, I'd love to. So this goes back years and years and years ago, probably uh, a little older than you are, Hunter. <laughs> <laughs> so back back years ago, um, go back in time. So when we talk about batteries uh, years ago, we looked at a lot of uh, vehicles that didn't have sophisticated electronics on it. Uh, you basically had uh, point-style distributors. You had a generator or you had an alternator. And as far as the electrical loads that you had within a vehicle, it wasn't very much. I mean, you didn't have the power windows that we have now. We actually had window cranks, and that's what we did. We rolled up the window, and we rolled it down with our hands, which, you know, nowadays kids don't know what that is. And, and you had that little uh, uh, you had that little triangle there in the corner. You could open that up to flick your ashes out if you smoked back in the day. Oh, yeah, to, to the get day. your little vent wind in. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so this, this goes back a little ways, and as far as the electrical demands, we didn't have that much on a vehicle, so you could get by with the chemistry that was uh, was built back then in a battery, which was what we called antimony antimony. So the antimony basically played uh, a role in the positive negative grids. I think that was a Billy Idol it, song. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think I've sung that once or twice. <laughs> <laughs> so he wanted more, more, more. That's right. So. Um, we, you know, we've dealt with that over the years as things have actually changed. So, you know, we go from a vehicle that uses a carburetor and a alternator. Uh, and so then we progressed into the 70s and early 80s and started designing a an electronic carburetor. And then we started adding on some electronics with power windows and power door locks. And so from the migration, we went from a antimony, antimony, to a, what we called back then was a hybrid battery, which was a antimony and a calcium based battery, which really helped out. You know, it was, it helped rebound as far as some of the electronics that we were uh, running at the time mm -hmm. and it worked really good. But then once again, the industry decided to change again because, you know, heaven forbid, we, we don't have any of the heated seats or the cooled seats or heated maybe a navigation wheel. system. Yeah, or a heated steering wheel or, you know, so we, we start adding on all these creature features, as we call them, and the hybrid battery just wasn't enough to be able to keep up. Now, let's step back in time again to that antimony battery. So back in the day, you would actually get some kind of an indication that the, the battery was getting weak, mm -hmm. and you would get slow cranks, but you would still get a crank. Now, keep in mind, kids, this is back in the day where you had to pump the accelerator pedal like four or five times to get <laughs> gas into the carburetor to be able to crank. Right. So it's not like our fuel-injected vehicles now, you know, where we can, you know, crank up in a matter of one to two seconds. These these took a little bit of cranking time. So um, back in the day, we used to get that indication. As we progressed and gone from a antimony, antimony, to an antimony calcium, and now as we fast-forward, to the 2000s, we had to devise a, a plan to make these batteries more susceptible to what we call key-off drain. Mm -hmm. So when we talk about a key-off drain, so think about your, your computer sitting at your house. Now think about the cars with these computers, not that size, but they all have computers on board now. Some, 
like BMWs and your Mercedes and your Audis, a lot of these higher-end vehicles can have 80-plus computers on there. Right. Well, keep in mind, we have to have power supplied to these things to keep what we call the memory alive. So that's where, you know, the key-off drains come from. Now, some of these are not an excessive key-off drain. They could be, you know, two or three or five milliamps. Some of the higher-end cars can go up to 75, 80 to over 100 milliamps. And when you start looking at that, vehicles that don't get driven, it's still got to supply power to these uh, these computers to keep them alive. So it's draining from the battery to keep the computers alive. Right. Kind of reminds you of like the Terminator, right? <laughs> Some of you guys aren't right. old enough to, to remember the Terminator. So <laughs> these are the things that, that we, we kind of have to uh, change our thought process on building product. So... The calcium, calcium really does good now being able to discharge through these overnight sittings or the times the vehicles aren't getting driven from the key off drain. And they're able to still produce power to actually crank up the vehicle and get you going. And then it'll accept the recharge coming back in from the alternator, which is, is good. Now, your trade-off of that is, so now you've got all this wonderful power and it's going to be able to survive for a little bit longer, but you don't get an indication nowadays as to my battery's getting weak. Right. And I was talking to Mark earlier about this. So you could actually go out where this vehicle is set overnight and it'll crank up with no issues at all. You're going to the grocery store, you go in and you come out and then you've got nothing. Yeah. And I, I had mentioned, I had mentioned about, to Jeff yeah. that, uh, you know, that has become, a, a difficult thing in diagnosing uh, a bad battery or a charging system exactly. issue because people will come in and say, oh, my car started fine uh, even 20 minutes ago. And then it's like yeah. the bottom drops out. And the other thing that happens, uh, Jeff, when you're talking about all these computers and all these cars is when your battery's getting low, even before it potentially leaves your car uh, not starting, you can have all kinds of electrical gremlins going on because you're not getting the exactly. right power in the car. So you can have, you know, my wipers don't work or, uh, you know, the, the navigation screen went out and that, that actually can be your first sign of a low voltage problem in, in your battery. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah, mean, exactly. I'm... And Mark, you know, you're, you're talking about this and you guys also have the shop and everything. So when you go into diagnosing a vehicle now, uh, it's almost like you've got to be a, a doctor right? Uh, because you, you've got to know how to work the keypads on the, the diagnostic tool. Uh, now, that gets you going in a direction, but then you've got to go in and find out exactly what's causing these, these codes or yep. causing all the issues. So it's not as easy as it used to be years ago where you just needed spark, fuel, and you're ready to go. Well, and not uh, only that, when you replace a battery now in many of these cars – you can't just, you know, th what they're doing, all these car companies, uh, all the manufacturers, are, they're really weeding out the backyard mechanic. I mean, it, it's getting Bingo. to a point that there's there's few things you can do on a car anymore in, in your driveway or in your garage. Because yeah, even, sure. a, even a battery, you could say, oh, I'll just go down to the parts store, I'll grab a battery, I'll pop it in. Some of these cars, you have to then go in with a... Uh, scan tool and not just any scan yep. tool and you have to register the battery so the car has to Bingo. get you put it in 
you can put your positive and your negative on, and then you or or vice versa. I always forget which one to do first. <laughs> uh, don't work on my car then. <laughs> this is why I sell batteries, not replace them. <laughs> there, there used to be this commercial down south that uh, had a a badger car salesman, and he always wore this leisure suit. And the guy asked him, uh, "Excuse me, sir, do you know when my car is going to be done?" And he goes, "You see this suit I'm wearing? I don't fix cars. I sell cars." <laughs> That's kind of me. <laughs> so um so anyway uh but yeah so there's a lot to it and in fact that also plays into how much sometimes these batteries cost because so now not only are we dealing with a newer technology these are most uh jeff correct me if i'm wrong but most of these are non-serviceable batteries anymore correct that is correct now and there's there's a reason behind a lot of that too mark um, that, that you're bringing up the, as we call them, maintenance-free batteries. So with this new development of the calcium-calcium within the last, you know, 10 to 15 years, you see a lot less water loss in a, a battery now. Okay. So, you know, when I look, or when I remember back with my grandfather growing up, um, you know, one of the things that we always did, and I worked on a farm, and so we had several tractors and several vehicles, so uh, we would always check water levels because that was one of the high things on Anemone uh, product that it would actually uh, lose water. Yeah, and you had to so, have that jug of distilled water around, right? You couldn't distilled just distilled water. Use that's exactly water. right. Now, you know, everybody talks about this being battery acid, battery acid, battery acid. Well, it's not. It's not battery acid. It's actually water and sulfuric acid. So it's seventy-five percent water, twenty-five percent sulfuric acid. The only thing that's ever going to leave the battery is water. Right. Acid is so so dense and heavy that it's not going to lose any acid. Yeah, you still might not want to drink it for those of you out there that, you know. No, 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 no. Oh. And, you know, we've always talked about, uh, you know, it's the electrolyte. That's what we call it. <laughs> and so doing all the classes that I've done over the years, people are always like, well, uh, electrolyte is also in Gatorade. Can we put Gatorade in there? No. <laughs> no. Uh, no sure. flavored water, you know. It, it kind of reminds me. Only. It, going back, it kind of reminds <laughs> me of that movie. I don't know if any of you have seen it. It's called Idiocracy. Uh, and, oh, yeah. And uh, and they, they're they pouring this, like, Gatorade-type stuff over all the crops, and they're, they can't figure out why the crops aren't growing. So it has electrolytes. I don't know why the crops aren't growing. <laughs> I but, love that movie. Oh, it's it, great. It, it, it's kind of making me worry about the future. You know what I mean? <laughs> it, it, it is. Uh, it is. It's a parody movie, but it is so true in so many ways that it's scary. Um, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, well, the other thing we have to deal with is uh, as the technologies in these cars are growing, electro- so the electronic demand is, is big, um, and so therefore the batteries have to be built to meet that. And also customers are, it's not like the old days where, you know, it used to be very easy, right? Like you said before, your car doesn't start. So either you've got a fuel problem, you've got a spark problem, or you've got a charging system problem. Yep. Now there's a lot more that you have to look at and contend with. So therefore diagnostic charges can be more expensive because the technician has so many different, um, different paths that he has to follow to find the problem. And then when it goes to replace your battery, and I I hate that we have to call people sometimes and say, you know, it's $350 to replace your battery, but that's because we, I mean, we always had to check charging systems to make sure we weren't just misdiagnosing a, a bad alternator or, or something like that. But, or like you were talking about, uh, 
and some of these cars have these these key off draws. You know, there might be something drawing the battery down. Um, yeah. So, you know, we have to check that stuff, but now we have to register the batteries. We have to do all of these yeah. different things. So, so there's just more to it. And the point is, and the point that we want to now start getting across to our customers is, you know, the, the, the best thing to do is the old adage, the an ounce of prevention is worth, worth a pound of cure. Just replace your bat, you know, let's mark your battery when it, when we put it in and in three years, uh, well, well, let me ask you, what do you think is the proper amount of time to keep your battery to replace it before you have a problem? So we know here in Dallas, you're lucky if you get three or four years out of a battery. And okay. we deal with heat, extreme heat, as you guys are probably aware of here in Dallas. We we can reach 110 degrees out here for, you know, 30, 40 days. Oof. So, I mean, we're not as harsh as, you know, Arizona, but we are still pretty harsh here. And we get with the humidity as well. So we say, you know, three to four years, you're doing good. But the way that we take care of that, Mark, and you guys probably do the same thing on your end, is when we when we talk to our distributors and they deal with their dealers out there, one of the things that we've always talked about, and you were talking about it just a few minutes ago about preventative. So we've always said, and we teach in our classes over and over and over again, when you're going to do service on your vehicle, and we say service, we're talking about your regular maintenance, oil changes, you know, air filters, uh, tire rotations, whatever, have the battery checked. Right. Because what that is doing is for us, it's building a relationship with a customer that you want to be able to take care of their needs and inform them as to how their vehicle is actually doing. Because we can recommend maintenance all day long as far as, you know, well, you need to think about changing your brake pads or your, you know, your air filters this or your cabin filters that. But if we can go and, and show these uh, customers what our battery is actually showing each time that they bring it in to do their service and they can see that progression over the years that this battery has been in there, that has built a customer base that they are really reliant on you because they have put their trust and their faith in you because you have monitored their vehicle from the time they started bringing it in to the time now that they need to replace the battery. Okay, so, so now confidence Aaron, level in you is is a lot higher. I'm going to put Aaron on the spot here. Aaron, Aaron and I are going to are going to do a reenactment of a service advisor customer relationship over a oh, three geez. year period with your battery. Okay. 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 Um, hello, Aaron. This is Mark from Universal Imports. Hi, Mark. Uh, I just want to let you know that we <laughs> tested your battery today, and it's great. You don't need to replace your battery. That's good news. Okay. So uh, thank you very much. We'll see you next time. All right. Okay, now six months later. Hi, Aaron. This is Mark from Universal Imports. Hello, Mark. Hey, uh, Aaron, I just want to let you know that your battery tested fine today. That's good to hear. All right. Well, have a nice day. We'll see you soon. All right. You too. All right. One more time. Okay. Uh, a year and a half later. Hey, Aaron, this is Mark from Universal Imports. How have you been? I'm good. How are you, Mark? I have some bad news for you. Uh-oh. You know the last four times we tested your battery and it was fine? Mm -hmm. Well, this time it's not. Oh, geez. So now that we've shown you all these times that it was fine and we weren't just trying to sell you a battery unnecessarily, mm -hmm. now we have built our trust with you and you will be probably excited when I tell you that it's $350 to replace your battery. <laughs> $350. <laughs> 
so is that is that a science? It's two two good <laughs> tests and then one bad one. Is that how it goes? <laughs> right you know, on. But when we when we. Yeah. Were t- <laughs> That no. was awesome. So, Aaron, I'm under the impression now that you probably need the defibrillator there. Is that right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, you know, but the, you know, talking to the interstate uh, people at the SEMA show, this is one of those things that does build customer trust, having these IV pulses that we are going to be getting. Um, we can test the battery. We can email you the specs of what the, what the tester shows. And you'll see every time, I mean, 90% of the time, your battery's going to be fine. But that one time when it doesn't pass, you will then, because I think the problem with batteries is it, uh, it's a lot like tune-up items. People are very, you know, you kind of are relying on the word of who's telling you, hey, it's time to replace your battery. Um, yeah. So if we get people into a mindset of going, okay, your battery is three and a, three years old or three and a half years old, and this is about the time between now and the next year is sort of the danger zone. So let's do it now. And by the way, we've tested it all these times and it's been fine and now it's not. So now they actually have something concrete that they can feel good about saying yes to um, a battery replacement. Mm-hmm. I have a, I have a question. So it's, um, it's getting cold here. We have snow on the ground. Is there anything you can do or recommend to people um, to kind of winterize their, their batteries or anything like that? Well, so I can tell you, Aaron, that, you know, coming from the cold weather, I used to live up in Upper East Tennessee, uh, very cold up there too, just like you guys. So as far as getting a battery ready, the best thing you can do is just have it tested. Um, you know, a lot of the auto manufacturers build in a lot of uh, safety nets uh, for the electrical system along with the battery. So, uh, Mark, you guys have probably run across this when you've been changing out batteries, is there's either a a fiber mesh that goes around the battery or there's a plastic case that covers over the battery. Well, believe it or not, that is there for a reason. And um, when you go and replace a battery, and we see this, I, I run our lab here in Dallas, but I also have our interstate battery distributor right next door to me, so I see all the things that come back in on their side. And it's amazing to see all of the uh, core batteries that come back in with that fiberglass mesh shield still on them. Mm-hmm. So oh. what, what can happen there is, you know, you've got a lot of auto manufacturers that when they build the vehicle, the battery's the last thing they thought about. So, uh, you know, they're looking at weight restrictions. They're looking at, um, oh, my gosh, where do I put the battery now? Oh, I know where I can put it. I can put it underneath the passenger side front seat or I can put it in the trunk, or I can put it underneath the back seat. So we look at things like that, and there's got to be avenues that we we basically cover our our backsides with, and that's making sure that the battery itself has been tested before the winter gets here, you know, or when we're, like you guys are starting to get cold weather, have it tested. Uh, You know, with these sealed batteries now, you can't just open up the top and check the, uh, what we call the specific gravities. And what I'm talking about, and I'll kind of break this down real quick on that, specific gravities are basically you're measuring the ratio of sulfuric acid to water. That's what that battery acid is. Everybody calls it the electrolyte. That's what we're looking at. So checking that with a battery hydrometer, it's kind of like years ago when you were checking antifreeze with an antifreeze tester. It's a little pump bulb that sucks fluid up into it, and it registers, you know, what the ratio is there. Well, the specific gravities of battery acid is the same way. So the higher the specific gravities, the better off we know we are on the state of charge. 
So one week cell in a, in a battery itself, you've got six individual cells in a 12 volt battery. Each cell is going to produce 2.14 volts. So they're all these uh, individual cells are connected in a series connection. So Mark, you, you and uh, your team kind of know what I'm talking about. When you put things in series, you increase the voltage. Right. So right. inside the battery, each cell is going to produce 2.14 volts. So if I'm checking at the positive and negative post with a voltmeter, I should read 12.84 volts, meaning I've got a 100% state of charge battery. If I'm lower than that, in which you guys will see that, and you'll, you would see it overnight if you were checking voltages the next morning on a vehicle, you could see 12.2 or 12.3 volts. That's not out of the normal because, remember we talked about the computers earlier and the key off drains? Right. You're pulling that battery down as it sits there. Yep. Uh, batteries in cold weather are slower on self-discharge, but they're also slow to accept a charge. So, Mark and um, Hunter, you guys have probably seen this if you've actually looked at the charging voltages on a vehicle when you first crank it up in the winter. You can see voltages exceeding 15 volts. That's normal for the alternator because it's trying to wake up the battery and get it warmed up. So, you won't see it for very long, though. I know GM, you can actually see the General Motors product at 15.3 or 15.4 volts, not out of the normal. Hmm. Uh, but as the battery's heating up, it, it takes and drops the uh, charging voltage down towards the safe level. So you don't have to worry about any of the electronics. So Aaron, get back to your question as far as doing this before the winter. All you can really do is just check the battery. If all the other safety nets are there as far as the, the wrap that came from its factory or the plastic cover that's on there, that's really all you can do. You can't, it's not like you can top off your antifreeze or, or check it or swap it out right. or whatever. Yeah. Uh, if you're feared that uh, that your battery might be at, at its end of life, checking it with the uh, you know the Ivy Pulse. That's a great way to actually get that feeling of comfort, knowing that hey, look, you know this thing. I, I'm rated at 650 CCAs, and I'm actually wow, I'm putting out 700. I'm good. What do you think and about then just uh, as you're doing regular? Uh -huh. Sorry ahead. about that. Uh, what do you think about? Okay. Um, Trickle charging. So we have a lot of customers with uh, vehicles that they're going to store over the winter, or they may simply just be going out of town for a couple weeks. They'll they'll want to put their car on a trickle charger. Is that uh, still the recommended way for yes. battery health when your car is sitting? Yes. Yes, yes, yes. Now, with that being said, Mark, trickle chargers are great. And I'm not going to throw out any names as far as the different brands that are out there. You want to steer clear of just a regular car charger. Okay. And here's kind of the reason behind that. Some of these chargers and charger manufacturers that are out there, even though they're microprocessor-driven boards now, and these chargers are not like the old transformer-style charger that weighs, you know, 45 pounds that you've got to, you know, bench press or curl each time you move it around. <laughs> um, these, you know, they weigh a pound and a half or two pounds. The thing you have to watch out for is these things will spike voltage. And when I say spike voltages, I'm talking 17 and a half to 18 volts. Well, you guys understand that the electrical system on a vehicle doesn't like to see anything over 16 volts. Right. So when you start pulsing, you know, 17, 17 and a half or 18 volts, guess what's going to happen to the electronic system? 
We'll be calling you and telling you you don't need a thirty. You don't need a three hundred and fifty dollar battery. Need a two hundred two thousand dollar ECU computer. <laughs> ECM. That's exactly right. Ouch. So that's that's what we've always you know. And I've done a lot of the training classes for Interstate over the years, and actually you know my previous job as well. So one of the things that we always talk about is you've got to make sure that if you are using a trickle charger, that you're using one that the top voltage regulation that it would have would be about 14.6 to 14.8. Most of those that you look, if you're buying them from off the counter, will actually have that listed as far as a maximum charging voltage on the back. So you just, you Uh, want to to buy a good trickle charger, not a, uh, not a car charger. Right. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Did I, I didn't say that, did I? <laughs> so, um, so right now, a, a battery in a normal, uh, you know, combustion engine, uh, the the normal batteries that we now put in most of the cars, most of the gasoline cars, where when those cores come out, where do those? Yep. What happen? Where do those batteries go to die? Well, if you take them back to interstate batteries, we recycle. Okay. So, you know, you, you've seen our green top batteries, uh, you know, yep. we're interstate green. So we, we keep the environment as clean and as, as healthy as we can get it. So everything that we bring back to the distributor side gets sent back to the smelter. And that, that core of a battery will get recycled. We use, or we reuse 98.9% of that battery wow. to reproduce new batteries that you see on your shelf. That's great. And then because I, th- I wanted to use that kind of as a segue into this next topic, and that is the advent of the electric car uh, also brought on sort of the advent of the lithium cell battery in yeah. the automotive world. So I, I do understand, and before we get into electric cars and where electric car batteries sort of uh, play in the future for interstate as well as play in the future just for the world in general and, and the environment. But um, I understand that uh, interstate's putting a lot of uh, effort into rechargeable batteries and and maybe not even just in the automotive and boat and motorcycle world, but also looking at other rechargeable battery things for like for tablets and, and your sort of home use stuff. Is that is that correct? Is that what's going on at interstate? Yes. Yeah, so we've got, and, and we deal with a lot of different suppliers on that end of it, Mark, just due to the, the cost, um, you know, that's incurred on it. So we'll we'll partner up with a couple of different uh, companies that will actually put these together and build. And it's one of those that, as we've, as we've grown through the years, you know, from coming from 1952 uh, in the battery business and starting to sell batteries out of a truck, uh, one truck, by the way, out of Dallas, Texas here, uh, to where we are now worldwide, it, it's really a, a thing of where we, as interstate, as a, a whole team, as we call us, uh, we are the battery experts. And to be the battery experts, we need to know the batteries. Right. So, you know, bringing in product and testing it, um, you know, along with the tablet testing and, you know, batteries for your cell phones and everything else. So that all gets tested because, you know, we are the ones that have our name on the product. So we are the ones that need to be able to feel comfortable about having it in our stores to sell. So yes, we, we are going that avenue. Um, we have been in talks with Tesla 
Okay. So it's not that we're not uh, embodying all this in with all the new technology that's coming around, but you also have to look at, and I hate to always throw this back in on the business side of it, but you got to look at the business side of it as well as sure. far as the profitability of it. Uh, lithium is not cheap. We all know that. Nickel metal hydride is not cheap. Uh, your downsides of this also is how do you get rid of it once it's spent? Right. And so, so this is where the um, this is where that environmental debate comes in when people are bingo. They, they really want to uh, they want to go green. So they want to get an electric car because they won't be putting the fossil fuels in. Uh, it's it's a better uh, footprint uh, that they're, they're they're leaving a smaller footprint environmentally. But the question is, and I don't know the answer because, you know, it's you, you kind of hear it and then you you don't know if it's really a thing or not that, well, mm -hmm. you know, when that lithium battery needs to be replaced or, or the, or the power plants that they need to produce these lithium batteries is arguably worse for the environment or, or at the very least has its own pitfalls for the environment. And, and I don't know, I don't know anything about that. I don't know if you, if you want to speak to that at all. Yeah, I could speak a little on that. So there are some pitfalls with, uh, with disposing of the lithium products or nickel metal hydride or any of those, um, you can't just throw it in your trash can and, and let it go into the landfills. I mean, that's, that's a big no, no. Right. Now we know that these things are happening all over the world. It's not just, you know, the U S this happens all over the world, um, where, you know, households will get rid of, uh, batteries just by throwing them in the trash and, it's not like you have a trash police that are going to be policing everything that you're putting out on the curb. Uh, so we do know, unfortunately, there are things that have actually gotten into landfills. We do our best, though, with Interstate to uh, make sure that our customers have a place to dispose of any of the items that they're getting rid of, uh, lithium, nickel metal hydride, even their alkaline batteries, any of that stuff that can be um, sent back for, uh, and it's not a recycle, unfortunately, with lithium. Uh, they have to go through a disposal process. So, mm -hmm. um, we so still is it, do our is, it the, is it the disposal uh -huh. of lithium that is the environmental problem, or is it the production of of the lithium battery that's the potential well, environmental? So when threat? you're looking at the production, the production's not really that that harsh uh, because everything is in a containment uh, as far as the building process. So anything, nothing's going to escape out into the atmosphere because of all the filtration systems that are built into the, the mm -hmm. building process. So that's, that's a huge plus. The, the negative side comes uh, once that they're spent, you know, once they're at their end of their life, how do you get rid of them? Right. And so our, you know, our portion of it interstate is we have companies that we partner up with that um, we actually have to pay for them to come pick it up. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so you have com I company, you that, I don't, it's probably uh, not companies like safety clean, but like, you know, here on the shop side, no. we'll, we'll have places, we'll have companies like a, like a safety clean that, that brings, that gets all of our fluids and stuff. So you have companies right, that are yeah, like I, that, that, that take, yeah. take the lithium and then they know the proper way to that. And like you said, you can't recycle it. Right. So lithium has to be right. somehow disposed of. Exactly. And, and whatever process it is that they go through, I mean, we, we pay for it because, you know, it's just part of our, uh, our payback to, you know, the environment. Mm -hmm. Um, so we do our, our part as far as making sure that that, that avenue is actually covered. Um, one of the things I do know here in Dallas there, and there may be even some where you guys are at up there, Mark, that, um, 
these people will take a uh, a lithium pack out of a whether it's a Prius or a Honda Fit or you know whatever, and they're actually replacing the individual cells within that uh, you know that 240 or 180 volt pack that they've got. So they'll go through and there's a finite way to do that. And we went through the uh, the Toyota Prius. And we went through the Ford Escape uh, programs as far as how to disassemble mm-hmm. and uh, reassemble these these different modules. So we we know how to do it. The downside of that is you have to go through a special training. And I'm sure you guys, if you're working on any of the hybrid stuff as well, Mark, you have to go through the special training class because it only takes 60 volts to kill you. And when right. you've got battery packs that are you know 200 plus volts. Uh, and you see a lot of orange cabling under the hood. These are cables that we don't like to probe into. Well, I, uh, I can, you know, you, you mentioned that, probed. and I, I think back to, uh, I mean, it was just a few months ago, actually. It was still still summertime. We had a Prius in here, uh, and people, um, so this is another thing that we should just I'll dive into for a second. People will buy a Toyota Prius and or, or any hybrid, uh, and Aside from the environmental benefits that they may feel that they're getting, they also um, think that they're going to be spending less because they don't have to gas up their car as much. They're getting uh, a lot more miles per gallon on a hybrid, all of that. <laughs> but what I found interesting was this car came in. We diagnosed that it needed an AC compressor. Um we had to, in order, I, and I'm not sure if it was part of the test procedure or part of the replacement procedure, but we had to get, uh, we had to get the battery uh, moved out of the way or something. So we had to buy a special pair of gloves. Um, so Thousand that, volt. Yeah, so that we, uh, so that the technician <laughs> would live to see another day. <laughs> yeah, as yeah. soon as there's the the orange triangle with the dead guy on it, that's a a pretty clear <laughs> sign to to well, look into. So, you know, you think so, but I'm sure some people don't pay attention. <laughs> yeah. So, um, you know, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> as soon as you see that, you should probably talk to to <laughs> us or you know some, somebody. <laughs> so, but it it wound up being like a two thousand dollar job to replace the AC compressor on this Prius. That yep, had it not it. been a hybrid, uh, it would have been you know a five or six hundred dollar job. So there are, I, I guess it's like anything, you, and you can put this to anything in the world, car related or not. There's pros and cons. Um, it's yeah. not, it's well, not all roses. So look right? at it like this though, Mark, you, you have to look at this Avenue. So I know we're, we're trying to keep this world as green as we can. I understand it. And I, and I'm, I'm not fussing at anybody about this, but when I look at the price that I've got to pay to buy a hybrid vehicle, right. And then I look at, okay, so we typically get a eight to 10 year warranty on the battery pack. Okay. That's great. Now I drive this vehicle for, let's say, uh, 12 years. And I've gotten past my 10-year mark on my uh, my battery pack. And then at my 12-year mark, the battery pack goes out. Right. Okay, so it took me it took me eight years to actually recoup off of what I paid for this thing. And so now I've got to buy a battery pack that is probably going to be four to six thousand dollars. Right. What is the value of my car now that it's 12 years old and I've got to throw Four to six thousand dollars in for a battery pack. What is it? What's my trade off? See, and this is what so I, and this is what I think that we don't. About. Yeah, I think that we don't see this um, 
so we don't talk about it enough because, well, I mean, hybrids now have been around for a, a, a long, a, a long enough long time, time to where we're seeing it. But, yeah. but with the full electric cars, um, you know, the, the problem is, is man, what happens when that, so, you know, right now it's great. Oh man, I don't have an engine, so I'm not going to have to worry yeah. about a timing chain breaking and I'm not going to have a problem yeah. with this and that. And, uh, I'm not going to have carbon buildup on my valves and all of that. Yeah. But one day, Someone's going to call you and tell you that you need a $10,000 battery on your car. <laughs> right. Exactly. So so what's next? Because I was reading an article um, with the guy who actually invented the lithium battery, this Professor John Goodenow, that he yeah. he created the lithium, but now he's created a, a totally solid state battery. And is 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 that where we're headed or what are we headed towards? With, well, with I don't batteries? know whether we would go to solid state because there's, there's too many – too many things that you'd fight against on that. Um, I think for the near future, and you guys are probably seeing this now, um, is the ESB batteries, the enhanced flooded. Mm. So um, a lot of your start-stop technology vehicles that are out there right. are using this enhanced flooded product. Yes, and, the, that, that starts that that start-stop, so that like eco... Uh, start stop feature that's on almost every car now you know what i've been told and and i never really addressed the issue with the battery if it's if it's hard on the battery but uh you know everybody's worried about well it's gotta it can't be good for the starter uh it's gotta be bad for the starter and uh i guess what i understand is they they, these starters are so robust now that it really doesn't affect them is that the same for the newer batteries yeah it's so what they've actually done so think of a battery that is working in a discharge state for the entire amount of its life and in, in, in service. Okay. So it's always running at a discharge state. So what they've actually done is they've actually added a little bit more lead to the plate to make it thicker. And they've added a little bit more paste material on a positive and negative grids, but they've also added what we call, and don't laugh at me. It's called scrim. S C R U M. After you saying uh, the batteries are uh, anemone, uh, anemone, 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 anemone. Uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I think so we'll, the screen is like a fiber mesh that actually goes uh, that's molded into the plates now, and they use a lot of carbon black. So there's a lot of different additives that are used in here now that actually, when a battery is being used, uh, think of, and I guess it's kind of hard to explain this, but. When you put peanut butter on a sandwich, you see how it's spread out, right? Mm-hmm. So, are we talking crunchy or a, smooth? <laughs> well, not crunchy. <laughs> <laughs> so, if you've got two pieces of bread, let's say one of them's a positive and one of them a negative, and you got peanut butter on both of them, okay? So, this is kind of what you're looking at if you were looking at a, a positive-negative grid that are stacked within the plates uh, or within the cells of the battery. So, as a battery is being used this paste, uh, paste material starts to actually uh, start to crumble over time. Well, we kind of help that out on an avenue of where each positive or negative plate, depending on where we're trying to reach an amp hour or a CCA value, this plate will actually be stuffed into a, uh, a polyurethane uh, uh, folder, basically. And it's an envelope that as the battery is starting to shed paste material, it's actually accumulating within the, uh, the envelope. So when we look at that, we've done a lot of good things here. And so all this crumbling, though, that was our capacity that we had available. 
So now all of our power availability that we had is stuck in this envelope that's at the very bottom now. Okay. So that's when you can see the deterioration of, you know, battery life over time. So, so uh -huh. yeah, so uh, with, with the start-stop starters, batteries, everything's being built around this technology to be, to yeah. be able to handle it. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, I mean, my eco start, um, as I was reading up on it, on my, on my newish car, um, might not be on and running because my battery is actually low. It's one, they have to have like, you know, for eco start set up like 25 different things. And I think that could be one of the reasons well, why I never see my eco on is because that, you know, my car is a little bit older. <laughs> Well, I'm, let me address that because uh, it's there is like no real science to why sometimes you'll come to a stoplight and your car won't stop, and sometimes it will, and be, because what what it really amounts to is the engine computer being as smart yeah. being as smart as it is, it is testing a lot of different things. For example, if you've just started your car and it's not up to temperature yet, it's not going to shut off because it needs to make sure the car is up to temperature. Exactly, it's gotta get up to operating temperature. Right, so if you have your AC on, if it knows that the ambient temp is hot outside, it's not gonna shut your car off to where now your compressor is not gonna run. Um, there's a number of things right. that it's constantly looking at, and one of which, Jamie and Jeff, uh, is probably if your battery is weak, it also may sense that it's yeah. not a good idea. Mine has never turned on one time, and I've had it for almost six months. So I'm pretty sure that I've I've met that condition somewhere. And the only condition I'm not meeting is that battery. <laughs> so, so two things. Two and I'm hoping it's not 350 bucks. I'm going to tell you right now, two technologies <laughs> in cars that took me by surprise, and I shouldn't admit this on here, but I'm going to anyway, um, because I should have known better. Uh, because I, you know, I should have the product knowledge, but. I was in Germany, in Nuremberg, a busy city, in a Mercedes Sprinter van, uh, in a very busy intersection, When I and it, and it was a stick shift. Mercedes van, I pull up to this light, the engine shuts off. I'm freaking out. Because... <laughs> <laughs> I had no now obviously this was this was like very first it was uh, it was when it first came out Mercedes probably one of the one of the first companies to have it and I just had no idea what what happened I put my foot on the clutch and the engine shut off Oh that's like me every day here. Oh my driving gosh. cars they start they stop the, but, this is here this is there yeah I have no clue But in order for you guys to in order for you guys to understand the magnitude of that that moment was why I was driving that Sprinter van was we had used it for our family vehicle to do a, to drive through Germany and Austria. When we had um, picked it up, we we got it out of the parking garage, <clears throat> and the seats in the back were all chewed up. There was an animal in the car. Oh jeez! But we couldn't find it. <laughs> oh heck no! No, no, we're not even, no, no, so, no, so, that so is that, on the side of the road. There yeah. is no way I'm even thinking about driving anywhere. And, 
and they have a lot of um, I, I don't know uh, uh, like I'm not mongoose, but like weasels, like uh, like ferret type animals yeah. are pretty popular. Yeah, they're called there. rats, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> I think they have them in Germany and so, Austria. So too. anyway, there was something in this car. We knew it was in the car. There were there were droppings. There were things chewed up. So I walked over to the rental agency in downtown Nuremberg. I said, "What do we do with this?" They said, "The only thing you can do." is either continue driving it, which that wasn't going to happen, or you have to drive it to our other location, which was like, you know, five or ten blocks away, and they'll switch you out. So as I have my – now I have my my mother, my father, my kids, my wife. We're all sort of standing on this side of the road here in the middle of Nuremberg. So I said, all right, the heck with it. I'm going to get in the car, and I'm going to drive it over to this place and switch it out. It's like – a couple miles, I'll take my chances. Now, I'm freaking out. I'm not letting my feet touch the ground because I'm afraid the thing's <laughs> underneath the driver's seat. So so I'm driving with my – I'm driving a stick shift Mercedes Sprinter van in traffic in Nuremberg. Uh, my feet are hovering on the pedals because I'm not going to put them on the ground. I'm afraid this thing's going to, like, bite my ankle or something. And then on top of it, the eco start goes off. <laughs> <laughs> I have another business idea for Germany. <laughs> Tow trucks. <laughs> Tow trucks. I'm going to go open one because they didn't have any. Because that's exactly what I would have done, Mark. Yeah, I would have said, not I'm not even, uh, you know what? I need your people to come get my stuff out of there. I'm not even touching it. I, there yeah, is some exactly. type of animal, and it's large. It ate all the seats. The other, the other technology <laughs> that threw me for a total, total curve was, I went to uh, Pittsburgh Plaza here in Rochester, uh, and this was when uh, the um, advanced key first came out. So, where you can lock, you know, lock your doors by just putting your finger on the on the door handle. Yeah, please tell me where yep. that spot is on my handle because I I <laughs> stand there it. and I know I just hit it like every way. <laughs> I'm sitting there because what's he the hell is he doing with that with that handle? And I'm just constantly touching because I never know when it's going to okay, go. I'm just so letting you know. When that first came out, I had bought this. I don't. I, I actually think it was a Mercedes Z Class. To be honest, I bought it. I drive it to Pittsburgh Plaza. Had no idea this this uh, option was even a thing. I get out of the car. I take the clicker. I lock it. And then, like I do with everything, and everybody here knows I'll have to check a door like 20 times to make sure it's locked. It's just part of my OCD. <laughs> so, of course, I lock the car, and then I go to pull on the handle to make sure it's locked, and I pull on the handle, and it opens. I'm going, what's going on? I lock it again. It opens. So now I, so now I, I so I, I'm telling you, I'm not making any of this up. So now I walk over to the other side of the car and I said, all right, you know what? I'm going old school. I'm going to get in. I'm going to crawl through the passenger side. I'm going to push the, the lock button down and then I'm going to lock the passenger door. Cause that's how you would do it. If, if you had a key problem and you wanted to lock a car. So I did that, got out of the passenger side, checked it. It opened. I was flailing my arms. How many days were yelling, you there, Mark? Yelling and screaming. I was. It, it, thank. I don't know if YouTube was a big thing back then, and I'm really glad no one had a phone around then because I would sure have been a, people watching. You. I would have been a YouTube sensation for the wrong reasons. Well, Hunter, I need you to search this one. Somebody saw it. Someone saw it. Somebody wasn't this. with me. Thank God I was alone. <laughs> What a great gift for that OCD friend of yours yeah, so, that doesn't know anything about that. So I learned the hard way on How to all drive the new technology. Nuts. Maybe I should start reading owner's manuals a bit more. 
So um, uh, one, I, I, I want to uh, talk uh, just really f- quick and finish up on the electric car thing. But um, with the information and knowledge that you have being in the battery world, do you see a world that we're going to live in with an electric car that has more than a, a 300-mile range uh, anytime in the near future? Mark, you're probably looking at 10-plus years before we ever get something that's that's going to be that that tremendous. I said you that know, many, many over, episodes ago. Mm-hmm. 10 yeah. to 20 years before we got something. It's, that's the problem. Yeah. It's because having an electric car with, a, with a, I mean, even a 300-mile range, which is pretty good, even though it never gets that, only in, it only gets that in a in a perfect environmental situation, like a perfect environment. No, it, you can't be yeah, cold. No you can't be hot, right? Um, so if you're driving in New Zealand, you can go 300. It's a but lifestyle change. Yeah. It, it it really is a lifestyle change to have an electric. I'm glad car. you got that. <laughs> what about uh, Tesla's uh, patent for the the million mile? Listen, that, I you know I don't want to get into this that? too much with that guy, but. It's all about stock, you know, and it's exciting. Exactly so all of a sudden, say, it's all about the profit. Side. It's all about the profit. So I got oh, stock. We got to get it back up. It went down last month. I got a million mile battery coming. Woo. It's coming. It's coming. Just hold tight. <laughs> hold tight. It's coming. It's gonna be a wild ride. Oh man. So okay. So what? So just to recap, uh, uh, we know not to put Mountain Blueberry Powerade in the top of your battery. <laughs> And keep the peanut butter to smooth, and it's inside the battery, not yeah, over no top junkie. of it. <laughs> yeah, I'm still trying to figure that out because, you know, I don't know anything about batteries, and now I even know less because <laughs> well, I'm like, peanut butter, how does hey, that? Well, I'll tell you what I'll do, Mark. I'll send you an email, uh, and you can pass it around to the group about, you know, the makeup of batteries. Uh, so I'll kind of give you a little cutaway on one yeah. so you can kind of see, you know, all the ins and outs and um, that'll kind of help you understand, you know, the, the chunky versus smooth. We haven't even addressed what jam we should put on it, you know? Oh, here we go. <laughs> exactly. Are we using well, jam we or jelly or marmalade or what? Hey, listen, I don't know. Is anybody marmalade. else here still concerned about that big animal that was inside <laughs> a van? Aaron, are you still yeah, thinking yeah, about that? I'm, I'm, I, listen, I got that in my head, quite honestly, and and now I'm thinking I'm not so bad because I go back and check if I close my garage door about three times a week. Yeah. I'm always backing back up on the street. My neighbor's like, oh, there he goes, the nutty guy again. Oh, it, yeah, it's, it's horrible. My wife goes, what are you doing? I go, I just want to make sure. She goes, didn't you watch it close? I go, ah, I don't remember. Uh, I'm, yeah. I'm terrible at yeah. that stuff. So. Yeah. All right. Well, it's good to know, Mark. Thanks for sharing that with us. So that way I can... Yeah, you know, right. feel good about coming out about <laughs> sure. it myself. Yeah. Listen, I am put on this earth for other people to feel better about themselves. <laughs> well, I, I, I just feel like I'm not the only one, so that's good. Um, it's been a good therapy session. I, Thank you, Mark. One thing, I wanted, one, one thing I wanted to hit real quick on that we, we talked about just a little bit earlier yeah. on the battery registrations. Yes. So, uh, Aaron and Hunter, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kind of put you guys on the spot. All right. Do you know why or why we would need to go back in and reprogram the computer saying that it's a new battery that was installed. I, I Man, I'm hearing crickets. Yeah, yeah, hold wait, 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 hold I on. Got, I, got, I got a sound effect oh, for that. What were you hearing? Crickets. <laughs> oh, crickets. <laughs> there we go. Yeah. I want the sound of an angry well, badger for that 
that animal that's in the van. That's a, there you go. <laughs> Work on that next week. <laughs> yeah. What is that? Oh, that's the animal that's in our van in Germany. Nobody's going to go to Germany and get a van anymore. Hey, no. it's, exactly. it's Fritz the Angry Badger. <laughs> oh. Oh, so, no. The reason behind that is as these batteries are aging, you know, they're starting to lose capacity. So this computer can actually change the charging curve to where you're offsetting for that loss of capacity for the battery. So, uh, and I'll tell you this from experience because, you know, I also uh, deal with a lot of the legal side with interstate here as well, as far as, you know, claims and everything. So one of the things that we ran into in years past was some of the BMWs that started out with the iDrives that uh, you needed to reprogram or actually register the battery as being new. Uh, because if you didn't, it actually would overcharge uh, it would take out the alternator and the PCM power control module. Uh-huh. So after, you know, ended up paying, you know, four or five different claims at, you know, five grand to pop, you kind of do a little bit more research and try to figure out what's going on. So that's how we kind of all came into all of this. So that's the reason behind going in and when you put a new battery in registering it as new. So it actually reverts back to the old charging parameters. So, yeah, so that's that's, that's interesting because uh, so that speaks to um, what we often do when we sell a, a higher end vehicle is we um, reset all the monitors, reset the computer completely because not just from the standpoint, like you said, you register the battery because the engine computer has adjusted itself based to the old battery. It also yep. has done that based on the previous drivers of the car. So. Um, you know, if, if, a, if a person drove a car very slowly to say, you know, to the grocery store and back and never really got on the expressway, that car may not run quite as well as, um, yep. uh, as a car that if you, if you started from zero and you were driving that right. on the highway, the engine computer readapts itself. It's a, you know, it's an adaptation. We're readapt we're readapting. Yep the car to your driving habits and over a period of drive cycles, it goes, Oh, this person likes to go fast or this person likes to do this or do that. And then it optimizes everything. And that sounds like the battery registration is along the same lines. Yep. 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 Kind of reminds you of the rat pink ones, right? (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, okay. You young group understand that. Well, hey, Jeff, um, we really can't thank you enough for ha- taking the time with us today. Um, Appreciate it. Yeah. This is something You're that we, very we really enjoy giving this to our customers because, you know, they can be in their car, they can listen to this podcast, and they will now be a little bit wiser when it comes to their battery. Awesome. Well, very. it was very fun working with you guys, and I will send out this uh, a little email for you to share with the group and if there's anything else you guys need from Interstate Batteries, please feel free. You've got my contact, so just holler. We'll do, and uh, this episode will be uh, <clears throat> will be on everywhere podcasts are found uh, next week sometime. So if you just want to keep looking, I'll, I'll send you a an email to let you know yeah, where you can grab it. And, that will uh, work. I, take a I listen. appreciate that. That's awesome. Jeff, thank you so much. All I'm right, going to hit well, the applause you. here. <laughs> Give it up for Jeff, guys. All right, Thanks, all right. Jeff. Jeff, thank you so much. We'll we'll talk to you soon. We really appreciate it. All right. You guys have a good one. Stay warm. Take care. Thank you, too. Bye-bye. <laughs> Bye. All right. So that's Jeff calling us all the way from...
Dallas, Texas, talking to us about batteries and the angry badger. <laughs> it almost sounds like a cackle, too. Doesn't it? Just a little bit. Just a little bit. Yeah. And there's a lot of noises going on. There, there. I don't really know what's going uh, on. I'm... Sounds almost as bad as a koala. Like, you think those things are cute? Yeah. Listen to when they're going they're off. Evil. Horrible. Yeah. I, I... Oh, here we go. He's going to keep doing it. Hey, Hunter. You're going to hear that every night at home. <laughs> yeah, I know. Like, anyway, folks, know. Um, thank you so much for listening to the podcast. Uh, we, we're, we're, keep, we're striving to bring you... Uh, educational and entertaining automotive related topics. Um, if you have any suggestions for us, good, bad, or otherwise, please email me, Mark, M A R K, at universalimports.com. I would love to take your suggestions and bring them to the mixing board so we can come up with some really great new, engaging podcasts for you for 2019 and 20 season. Um, so, you know, with that, uh, you guys got anything to add? Aaron, you got any any funny? You know, you were telling me something earlier. I was. Yes, about like a fourteen year old girl. Yes. Okay. So, so I, I guess we are going to do. I just have a to tell this one. Yeah, we got to tell is, something. This is actually really cool. So this this fourteen year old um, girl actually just so, solved what could be our blind spot problem. So this Elena Glassler, a fourteen year old from Pennsylvania, engineered a new fix for car blind spots. Her invention makes the front pillars in a vehicle invisible so that drivers can see what's in their blind spots. It's actually really cool that. if you Google it. Like It's amazing. Yeah, it's it's almost like a, it's like projector. That She's 14. 14. So it's crazy. the technology is so cool because, you know, also at the show we saw the, the 3D cameras. She'll be there next uh, year. The, um, oh, yeah. the three, 360 degree view cameras, what I mean. So they you, know, you put two cameras on your car and then it can give you an image of your car from a bird's eye view, which is a lot of cars have that as a standard uh, camera. We also saw holograms. Oh, yeah. Holograms. Of parts. They so were showing holograms it's, in some of these booths. Really cool. It's like you're watching Star Wars and you see the hologram. Yeah. It was that tier hologram. Like it, the parts were just floating. Yeah. Oh. It's pretty cool. So That's very cool. We're in the future. Yeah. <laughs> We're in the future. Really cool. We are so. there. We're already there. So anyway, um, here comes the ex- exit music. <laughs> All right. So this is Grease and Glamour Podcast. I am Mark Fierbacher with Aaron Kane, Jamie Foner, and today Hunter Fierbacher as we sort of recapped our SEMA show experience. There's some other things we could talk about, but we'll, you know, I think we got the, the gist of... Our SEMA what show goes on experience. in Vegas stays in Vegas. <laughs> Actually, I like to say what goes on in Vegas, in our case, comes back to Rochester for our customers. Yep. Hey, how's that? Better yet. Anyway, <laughs> until next time, please like us, share us, tell all your friends about us. Um, uh, write a Google review about And don't us. forget to have your battery tested. Yes. Thank you, Hunter. <laughs> you should have me out more often. <laughs> <laughs> Get your battery tested today. Come down and check out the new ib pulse from interstate we will go out to your car with you right there we can hook this baby up we can tell you if your battery's good or not we can print it out we can email it to you you can keep a file a record of how your battery's doing and interstate battery honestly i gotta tell you being in this business a long time with all the different battery companies that are out there there isn't a better battery than interstate battery so 
visit universalimports.com. Wow, this outro music is like a lot longer than <laughs> you can always Did he say that last time yeah, too though? But because because he, he hasn't figured it out yet, there's a like a fader. So you can always no, just like I, fade I, it down. You I know? don't want to fade it because I I like the end. I like how it ends. It, it, if we don't do the end, I will feel like it's an incomplete piece of art. No? There's no words. Here it comes. I, I feel it. Almost. <laughs> All right. Said this last all, right time well, too. all right. Well, for the second show in a row. Yeah, that's great. Uh, yeah, I'm Jay. I'm right. Mark. And I'm Hunter. Right. Okay. And make sure that you visit the Universal Imports podcast for all of your car needs. Visit universalimports.com. Just let them enjoy the music, Mark. And <laughs> the music is coming to an end right now. See you later. <laughs> <laughs>